0: Episode 249, Sandy Joy Weston, fitness expert, entrepreneur, podcast host, and more.
1: And he said, well, your opinion is stupid. Well, now.
0: I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. For books, her podcasts, and more, look for links in the show notes or go to markgraven.com slash mistake 249. As always, thanks for listening. Well, hi, welcome back to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven. My guest today is Sandy Joy Weston. She's a keynote speaker, podcaster, three times published author, and entrepreneur. She's owned and operated health and wellness companies for over 30 years. Early in her career, um, Sandy became the first female trainer for the Philadelphia Flyers, NHL hockey team, of course. She spent many years as a media personality and is a Philadelphia NBC 10's fitness expert. She created the nationally recognized Philly Street Line Dance to help combat Phillies. And this is in quotes, Philadelphia's, so it's not me saying this, a fattest city label. Um, so before I tell you a little more about Sandy, welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: You know, Mark, I'm great, and I'm so excited to be here. And no one's ever read that bio about me. I'm like, whoa! I did those things, yes.
0: No, you were doing a little dance. Was that the gritty dance, the mascot, or was that something different? That was just your own
1: dance. <laughs> <That's> something... <laughs> the dance that I created was a specific line dance. Just okay. For the well,
0: same. you did a little dance just now. I didn't know if that if you were channeling, if you were channeling oh, that? gritty. Oh.
1: No, I just, you just, I just, dance. just
0: dance. And I'm I'm not here to argue uh, labels like fattest, fattest city. When I lived in San Antonio, going back a decade ago, I think I think San Antonio had that designation. Designation. I don't know if they surpassed Philadelphia, yeah. or it depends on who's measuring. But um, I'm glad you were doing some things about that on TV and otherwise.
1: Well, you know, life's a balance. We can't stop eating our cheesesteaks, you know? we got good cheesesteaks. And our restaurants are awesome, yeah. and, all of them. And and, and, awesome. and
0: I've been to Philadelphia, and I have enjoyed those things. And San Antonio, my – not to get – I'm getting sidetracked, so maybe a mistake. But my primary care doctor, he gave me the welcome to San Antonio speech about people move here and they gain weight because there's lard in everything. If it tastes good like a tortilla, there's lard in it, less than less.
1: Oh. Ooh, that sounds good to me.
0: <laughs> um, but again, we're joined by Sandy Joy Weston. Um, for the last five years, she's focused on her company, SJW Productions. Uh, the main mission is to highlight um, all of the positive in the world. So we'll move beyond fattest city talk into that are more <laughs> positive. But she does that through um, podcasts, um, writing. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that, programs and workshops. And she's trying to spread. Uh, pure joy. Um, that's It's right in your name, Sandy Joy.
1: It West. is. I was meant to do it.
0: <laughs> and um, the podcast uh, is called Let's Keep It Real. We're going to keep it real here as well, right, Sandy?
1: Yes, we are. Yes, we
0: are. So part of keeping it real is, is asking um, the question we always start off with here. I'm really curious, Um, to hear what what your answer is. Uh, But what would you say of all the different things you've done, Sandy, what's your favorite mistake?
1: You know, so I did a lot of pondering on this because there were a lot of really exciting ones. But this one sticks out and I decided I was going to do this because of what you read in my bio. So the year is 1993 and I opened up my first health club called Weston Fitness in ballot suburbs of Philadelphia. I had owned a private training company for about eight years called Specialty Fit. And because of all the amazing and wonderful people that I met in the Philadelphia area, I was had the opportunity to raise some capital and open what I considered a club. That was beyond its years because we were one of the first clubs that had the most amazing private trainers in the club, as well as the classes were just the bomb. We got every class you could imagine. I wanted it there first. So Spin, when they thought I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, I brought Spin in and they're like, so you want us to bike in a dark room? I'm like, yeah, I saw it in California. You know, it's going to be great. Or yoga. there were things that I just always wanted to be on the cutting edge. And being a female owner, I felt like I had to prove that I could make it in such a difficult industry. I wanted to be like the Disneyland of health clubs. So when you came in, Mark, it was an experience. I went above and beyond. Not that only you had great workouts, but you were entertained. I would go to lengths to entertain you. And I also taught classes. So here we are. We brought spin in. People end up freaking loving it. I only had 10 bikes. I had to figure out a way to bring in five more small dark room atmosphere, mood lighting. I mean, it would sell out. But after a year of teaching spin and then coming five days a week, you had to come up with something else. I mean, you're always looking for that next thing to keep them excited. So one of my members had this brilliant idea that we were going to come up with what? porno spin. <laughs> yes. Okay, now no, hold I'm on trying there, to cut people. you off. <laughs> I'm just
0: surprised to hear it. Please go ahead.
1: <laughs> porno spin. And this was not my biggest mistake. Porno Spin was a class for people who were bored a little bit, needed a little excitement. And that one class once a week called Porno Spin, you would get your porno name. So everyone who came in was like, what's my porno name? What's my porno name? You know, it's your street, your whatever. And we'd say, oh, we have to pop your chair. Like, and it was just so fun. <laughs> well, it was 1994 now, and again, the class is packed, waiting in line. Did anybody not show? Everybody wants a porno name. And I walk in, and everyone growls, surprise! They surprised me for my birthday. And the room was pornoed out. <laughs> I mean, like, blow up, the, you name it. It was everywhere. And I was like,
0: "Ah!" but, but like, maybe like a PG 13 version or
1: X. Like very family friendly, like maybe blow up dolls, but like fun family, like maybe not your kids, little kids, but it was all in good fun, all in good fun. Me in my extreme nature to always give them what they wanted and entertain, here's the biggest mistake, I decided, well, they did this all for me. I'm going to stand on top of my handlebars with my towel and dance around like, woo, like what this? So I get up on my handlebars and everyone's cheering me on. I'm dancing. I'm feeling so excited. And then, boom. Uh, Down I come. And I knock out
0: my front teeth.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Now, what I didn't tell you at the beginning of the story, in this amazing life that I had, owning a gym, dream come true. I also, in the year of 1994, was given the opportunity to be one of the first females to train professional hockey team with the Philadelphia Flyers. Ed Snyder was one of my clients and mentors and Pat Croce was a huge part of my life. And a mentor had brought me in to work with seven of the guys who constantly got injured. So it was me and my seven guys and I got to work with All right. Eric Lindros. Big yeah. Yeah. So it was awesome. Well, The night of this spectacular event of my birthday party and not having two front teeth was the playoffs. And I was getting to sit in the owner's box and watch my team play. What am I going to do? I mean, these are the who's who affiliate. I have no front teeth. My friends call everywhere around, you know, somebody that was, you know, the doctor, Dennis or Bruce Willis. But he couldn't get me into the next day. So I go, I go to the game. I go up to Ed Snyder's box with my two front teeth. He's, I'm like, hi, hi, hi. Everyone goes, what what's going on with you? And they're very, you know, superstitious. You know, you have to sit the same spot. You have to sit next to Ed because they won the last game. And I'm like, and he's like, what the? <laughs> and I'm like, well, and he goes, You got balls, girlfriend. You got <laughs> well, balls. But the moral of the story is, everyone thought that I had done it to go <laughs> to extremes for the hockey team, that I had planned that.
0: Right. Did they think you had like blacked out some teeth? Because it is a very hockey team. Yeah, I got
1: some of them like- blacked out. And then when they came near me, they're like, You'll go to, you're a crazy yeah. person. And then I had to say, I didn't say exactly what to everyone in the box, but I was like, no, no, no. This is purely, I swear to you. But no one believed me that it was purely yeah. coincidental. So that was my favorite mistake that ended up working out for me. And then the next day, I did go to Bruce Willis's dentist, and he did a marvelous. Oh well, yeah,
0: story. we can see that. And we can see you smiling about. That story that I mean, how many how many players on a given NHL team are missing a tooth or teeth at a given moment? Because a lot of them still don't wear mouth, face, full face yeah, protection yeah. They, that most they wear an eye yeah.
1: visor. But um, back in the day, you know, I was going to look up the stats on that. But back in the day, almost everyone smiled. They yeah. didn't have their teeth. But it's a little better now. It's a little. Better
0: uh, or now. Maybe they just they're better at getting uh, getting that fixed. But um well, what a, what a, what a fun story. Yeah. I mean, going, going back to the club for a minute and um, porno spin class, like this is why I try to listen and not make assumptions. Like I thought the story was going in the direction of like outraged people picketing outside and getting up. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It didn't cause an uproar that way.
1: No, it did. You know, it was more, I, I can't, if, if you knew my personality you you would know it had it was family-friendly. Like, it was all because they were just bored, you know, and their days were rough, and they were just looking to have a little excitement. And when you take the same kind of spin class, no matter, I don't care what new song you're putting on, it, I, we had to come up with something. And so I, I came up with Porno Spin, and it just took off. I kept it, and then I've opened up two other clubs after that, and we... <laughs> I got known for of all the things that was one of the things besides so bringing kettlebells in before it's day. I was known uh, for fit.
0: Now um, that gives a new meaning. If the gym was adults only. <laughs>
1: I mean, right? No, it wasn't that we had, no, yeah, we had childcare yeah. and we have kid programs and the whole bit. Yeah. Everything. It was really family
0: friendly. So did um, well, so I, w- I was going to ask, you brought up um, being the first female trainer with the flyers. Um, Did that include being in, in the locker room or training rooms where like, was, was there any um, controversy about that with even like some of the players or to, to, to be in that space as a woman?
1: You know, they really did embrace me, but again, it was me and seven of my guy trainers. So I had my posse, but, I really feel as if they all treated me with respect. Now we only had seven guys because we had seven of them that kept getting injured and they wanted to make sure they were doing the rehab once they got released from physical therapy. So they could stay on the ice, but the players that we didn't train, we won't name names thought they could do different things to shock me. And they would come up to the training room where I was, you know, where people were working out. And a few of them may or may not have had clothes on. And they would train nude, like, just to see my reaction. And I, and then if you don't let them see you, sweat, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then a couple times, like, the guys, like, someone of them, you're stretching. They're like, oh, my, you know, my like groin <laughs> hurts or whatever. I'd say, all right, Tommy, Billy's ah. groin hurts. And they're like, never mind, never yeah. mind. Mm. I'm sorry i'm good and going into the locker room now and then i would have to pull a player out because they were supposed to be up for training and they weren't and i would just go in and go yeah you got five minutes just get up here and i'd yeah. just walk out and that was <laughs> it and then i would you know go against the wall and Go, oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god but yeah. i didn't let them see. yeah
0: because i guess if, if they see that it bothers you that just inspires more oh yeah of Whether it's teasing or inappropriate behavior or sexual harassment, there's a spectrum there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, I really, I was so drawing that line that I just felt like they were teasing me, you know, like seeing, you know, like treating me like one of the boys. So I didn't even, I never felt, I was very, very fortunate. I never ever felt that way. I always felt safe, and that they okay. would protect well, I'm, me. I'm glad like, to hear the
0: behavior uh, wasn't wasn't uh, over over a bad yeah. line. Nope, nope.
1: All great, okay. all great
0: memories. Um, well, I wanted to ask you about. So, what, what was the timing then of um, working for uh, the NBC station in Philadelphia? I can I can picture like you're doing reports on how to. Uh, on exercise tips, nutrition trips, trick, yeah. uh, tips, my mistake. Um, how, how did you get onto, you know, on, onto that spot on, on TV? What was that experience like? Um, imagine like, I would be terrified. Yeah. I make mistakes here on the podcast. I'd be even more terrified of making mistakes on live TV.
1: You know, you know, they say location, location, location. Well, my club was a few blocks from from three of the major stations, three, six, and 10. And when they were short of story or they needed a filler, they'd come over and say, we need a story. And my manager at the time would say, oh, don't worry. She's got one, I go, I do. And he he was a great, he would write something up. I'm like, okay, and I'm ready, And I would go for it. And because they knew they could count on me, back then they did pay for people to come in as reporters, even though you weren't full-time. And they said, "Would you like a you know a job doing this part time?" I say, uh, "Yeah." And I have to tell you, some of the producers were really nice and kind and loving, and others yelled at me all the time. What the f is that? And then they go, "You're live." Hard not to be, okay? be
0: rattled if okay. that happens, right?
1: And they were they usually were the younger producers, like. Yeah, or, and I did everything. So every week I would find some activity. I'd show how you would do it as a beginner and, and then in the middle and a professional. So I'd find a professional who was like, you know, skydiving or kettlebells. It didn't matter or martial arts, but I also had to do it too. And I was always, either you know, the one goofing up. They would make fun of whatever, but there would be things like I'd never been on a horse and I was horseback riding. And I would say to the producer, I remember <laughs> I've never been on the horse and she say you and she would scream yeah I don't know if they could do it nowadays <laughs> be like okay I'm getting on the horse I to see myself. and I did that for about 10 years but it was some of it was recorded and some of it was live but it really did teach me don't wait to be perfect it's not going to happen and to really embrace how do you want them to feel? Because if you flub your words, I, I mean, I wasn't the 11 o'clock news anchor. I was the fitness expert. But I didn't have time to prepare for some of the things. I just had to go. All right, here's your topic. And I wasn't reading script. There was no script because I was in the field. And it prepared me for anything. And even now when I teach people who are new to keynote speaking, yes, you want to practice, practice, practice. But when you get up there, They're not going to know that you missed a segment. You missed a line and they don't care. You know what? And I know it sounds cliche, but they really will remember that you evoked what emotion from them and what did you want to evoke from them?
0: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great tip. And um, I, I wanted to ask you back to this idea of like, not, I love how you say, don't wait to be perfect. Don't worry about that too much. Um, when we did a pre-call, you said something, I think, you know, this is very philosophical. I was going to ask you to kind of expound upon this, that you told me you rarely say the words mistake or failure. I'm glad you could come on the podcast mm-hmm. and talk about mistakes. But what, what? What? tell me your philosophy around those words.
1: So I'm a very big believer in that words really matter. And I felt that since I was a kid, even before I knew the science behind it, or it wasn't because of faith. I just knew that if I focused on a specific word every single day and then visualized where I wanted to go, it could change what was going on around me in my life. So I would use three things, movement, words and laughter. I, I didn't call it that. Now I call it move words and laughter. my wonderful life system, but I would move around and dance like you see. And then I would focus in on a word, one specific, how do I want to show up today? Joy, peace, calm, powerful, ease and flow. And then I would say, what do I have to do to feel more like that? And it could be something so simple as writing in my journal, going out, hugging a tree, calling a friend. It was always so different. As years went on, I realized that I was at a very young age conditioning my brain to shift out of the negative chatter into the positive chatter. And that even little things like jokingly saying, oh, I'm so stupid. It matters. And oh, my God. And we know better I can't believe I failed at that again. I I conditioned myself to say I never say the F word. I didn't figure it out yet. It, it got me closer and maybe, you know, there's something I'm not ready for. And for example, the thing with the teeth, it, it was, you know, what was I thinking? I always went beyond. It was a lesson. I went above and beyond what I should do for my members. And it really did show me that even though it ended up working out in the long run, but it doesn't have to be that difficult. I could have just blackened out my teeth. But I always think, okay, now what? I don't put myself down. I, I don't. Oh, my God. I was watching this inspirational. I can't remember the woman's last name. Do you remember the woman? Her first name is Diane. She swam at 64 from Cuba to oh, wow. Key West. No, I, I, There's a movie out on Netflix, and it's escaping me. Night out, maybe? And it's a true story. And this woman now is a motivational speaker at 74, but at 64, and she tried five mm-hmm. times and mm. almost lost her life. And then she comes out and saying, because it, she conditioned herself, yeah, who would expect her to, I mean, it's like a freaking mm-hmm. hundred miles to do that. And you can't stop. But what she had is her mm. mindset. He had her conditioning of her wisdom of what she didn't have at 28 when she tried it and she kept trying it. She now mentally was more prepared. And I thought that was awesome because it's not just one thing. It's not just youth.
0: I mean, yeah. I'd be curious your thoughts on this and, and, and that, that film, I haven't seen it, but it's um, yeah. NYAD. Nyad. And, you know, from, from your history as, as a trainer, um, like to me, like, I like I'm all for having a growth mindset of saying, okay, I, you know, can can learn and grow and progress and develop myself. Yeah. But at the same time, like there, like I think there are certain physical limits where I could try swimming from Cuba to Key West and fail. And like and I you know, I don't know if I could ever do that. Um so I, I, absolutely. I could.
1: Absolutely. No, you couldn't. <laughs> I thought you were trying to be positive. <laughs> I'm a... No, I.
0: It's okay. You're keeping it. You're keeping it real, Sandy.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, okay. She. Let's. <laughs> you are right. Here's the answer. You are absolutely right. You can't say today, "I want to be a professional quarterback." You know, not... but she had been swimming since she was a child, so she already was a professional swimmer. So she already had that in her body, you know, and then she last tried when she was 28, but there was a 30 year gap. So there was a lot of training, but she already knew that she genetically, you know, and also the training she had done for years and years and years. And she said, it was like riding a bike came right back to her, you know? So, That is true. There are certain limitations. Like, I'm not going to be a professional hockey player. It's just not happening. But there is a lot in between there. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. And I do feel, even to this day, knowing all we know, we put limitations on ourselves, especially mentally. And I hear it every single day, Mark. Well, that's just the way I'm wired. That's how I grew up. You know, I'm not, I can't change that baloney. Now they know you can, you know, now they know you can, we your brain and you can change the thoughts and things that they never thought was possible with certain different people and disabilities and mental health issues. I mean, people have come a long way. And so I'm very, I don't know. I know it's good to understand your brain and put certain labels on it. So you can be treated, but also I don't want you to stay yeah. in there.
0: Yeah. And so let, let's, maybe that helps us transition to um, your books about um, goals and progress. And let's say if somebody, like there are there are more, I'm going to use the word achievable goals. Like if somebody listening is thinking, I'd like to host a podcast, but I can't do that. I'd say, well, of course you can. You could practice, you could yeah. learn, yeah. you could do, you, know, you could growth mindset your way into, you could do it. Might not be, might not be the yes. best in the world. I'm not the best in the world, but I, you know, I'm trying to get better. And then there's, you know, realistic, um, achievable uh, health and fitness goals. Let's say I want to bring down my A1C. I want to lose ten pounds. Like, I know I can do that, but I and I know what yes. to do. But it's a matter sometimes then of, of, of habits and motivation. And so that's why I wanted to pick your brain. So, one, one of Sandy's books is titled Train Your Head and Your Body Will Follow, Reach Any Goal in Three Minutes a Day. Let's say if it's okay, I'm going to make it about some of my individual personal fitness goals, okay. health goals, I'm sure shared okay, by others. Like, what, what have you learned about, you know, what would some of your advice be for, for habits and you know, what What should I spend those three minutes a day on to to more likely hit those important okay. goals?
1: So I want to tell you why it, it is one to three minutes a day. All it takes. My slogan has been all it takes is one to three minutes a day to change your body, your life in a positive, powerful way. This is science based. I took. A year and a half to study people that I believed exuded pure joy. And we were able to reach the goals in a fun way, in the way they wanted to do it. And I wanted to see if there was something that they had in common. So I would bribe my members. And I say, listen, you know, do you mind if I interview you? And I want to see, you know, is there something that is transferable? And it it was almost a year. And I was like, okay, never mind. You guys are screwed. <laughs> Come on, huh? These people are just born this way. But then I saw something, Mark every single one of them got up and felt like they were happening to life. They had a routine that they did every single day, every single day to get them in a positive, powerful headspan. they were not going to let life happen to them. They were going to happen to life. Now the routines were all different. They were everything from bacon muffins to journaling, to working out to petting your dog. And the time was all different. It was everything from a few minutes to, to a few hours. So I thought, oh, okay, this is transferable. I can help people. So then I gathered together because one of my clubs, I was right near a lot of the universities, what I called the powers that be. And I got about 12 people, like the 12 apostles. I had neuroscientists, positive psychologists, gurus, exercise physiologists, nutritionists, and I told them my theory. So I said, why don't we create a guidebook, a journal for people that don't already have their morning routine to get into that routine. So we created one, and it took five minutes a day. And I would have very successful people fill it out. I say, pick one area of your life that's not quite where you want to be. So if your workout life, if your body and your health is where it want to be, which most of the people are, then pick money or relationships. Well, after another year, it failed. One person did it. Nobody was going to take five minutes a day to improve their life, even though I said just do it for 30 minutes. So I go back to my professors, and I was like, what the heck? And the one guy says, "Well, Sandy, of course they did it. No one's going to spend five minutes. That they don't already have that belief system. You have to make it one to three minutes a day. And i go, why didn't you tell me a year ago? He goes, we needed you to find out. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. So then I go back and make the journal, the guidebook, the prompter, one mm-hmm. to three minutes a day and it worked. So why I'm saying it takes one to three minutes a day is because there is nothing more important than how you choose to start your morning. I don't care what time you get up, but how you choose to show up in the world. And it doesn't take long, even if you take a few seconds, which I recommend before your feet touch the floor and say, How do you want to show up today? And pick one word. It might be powerful. It might be fun. It might be passionate, whatever it is. Come downstairs, write the word. Quickly write a statement or your goal that you're going after. doesn't take but a minute. And then reflect upon it throughout the day. If it's working out, then say that. All right. Well, I haven't done anything for seven years, so I'm not going to... You know, start working out for an hour a day. That's just not happening. I can tell you that from owning health clubs for over 30 years. So maybe what I'm going to do and see success is I'm going to move for a minute Mm -hmm. every hour. I can do that. And then you build on it and you're building on it in a way, Mark, that's fun for you. Like if it's working out, you'll find a way that's not, oh, my God, I have to work out. It might be a minute Mm -hmm. every hour. It might be that you end up finding a class that works. It might be working out at home. It all, it might only be five minutes, but you're going to yep. look forward to it, and it comes from that conditioning of every day, just a few minutes looking. Which I recommend writing it down at a guide of what you want and mm-hmm. what you're going after.
0: There's something so powerful about starting with a minute, baby step. You know, there's a. a a psychologist themes. at UCLA who I've interviewed a couple of times uh, in a different podcast series, uh, Robert Moore, who's written books about. Do you, so, yeah. Do you, oh, okay, yeah, one he. I'm glad you you know about him, but he you know talked about advising patients like if you need to start exercising, he would tell them your your uh, realistic scenario, right? You're sitting on the couch, you're watching TV. A commercial comes on now, maybe with streaming you know, you have to use different advice because like, get up and walk in place for 30 seconds. Well, you're not going to transform your health walking for 30 seconds, but you get started and then it becomes two commercials. It becomes the whole commercial break. Now you're going yep. outside for a walk. And yep. I think there's something powerful of getting the ball rolling. And I think this applies in a lot of workplace settings. Yep. If you, if the, if the leap is too big, it's easier to just get scared and say, well, no, I can't. But when, that starting point is really small. It's less scary.
1: Yep. And I think for the people that I work, especially, they are so, I bet 90% of them are all or none. And they're so successful in one portion of their life and they can't accept, no, 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 I can't do it that way. And I, and so I look at them and go, okay, so how's your method working out for you? You work out for two to three weeks and then you quit. So let's just try it a different way and build upon it. And really now there is the science behind it because what you're doing is making that body mind connection and spiritual connection of the habit and you're forming it and like, okay, we, we're doing this just like brushing our teeth for a minute. Now we're doing it for two minutes. And now before, you know, I just had a, a woman, I, I wasn't sure I was going to crack her one of my clients who for her 30 seconds of working out, she's been doing it for years. She's like, oh, I already have my routine, Sandy. But then she went to the doctors, and the doctor says, if you don't change what you're doing, you're mm-hmm. going to die. Like, literally, everything mm-hmm. was so bad. So she said, but I have a routine. It's 30 se-. And so I went over it. And it was 30 seconds, and she was exhausted. I, I was like, okay. So I didn't say anything. I met her where she was. We did a minute. I gave her a minute routine. Waited a couple weeks. I know it sounds crazy. She could have been dead in the meantime, but I was hoping she wasn't. Then we went to a minute 15 within, I think it's been too much. She now, she went and joined a freaking gym. I'm like, Oh my God. And she's going from somebody that didn't even want to do 30 seconds because there was no guilt, no feeling bad, finding her way, meeting her where she was. And now, I, I mean, I'm
0: just excited she's gonna live. Yeah, I mean. that's uh, boy, that's a great outcome and and speaks to the power of you know kind of taking some of different different approaches of not just doing what yeah. we've always uh, done. And so you know our guest today, Sandy Joy Weston. Um, I appreciate uh, the, the the joy and the energy that you were bringing uh, to this episode and um, you know some of that positivity. I think around language. I was, I want to come back to one other thing you, you talked about um, with language and like, you know, negative self-talk and like one thing I've tried to be a lot more mindful of um, is language around labeling a mistake as like, oh, that was a dumb mistake or that was a stupid mistake. When I'm like, no, like it, it might have been a mistake, but it's probably not a yeah. matter of intelligence. So we, we could have made a bad assumption or you know, like there could be other causes, but I I try to encourage, even if I hear this language in a workplace, it's like, well, let's be careful whether we're labeling our own mistake or especially labeling someone else's mistake as as dumb. I think it's just, that's kind of like unhelpful shaming. We want people to be open about mistakes. And I think labeling them as dumb doesn't help there. What are are your
1: thoughts? (laughs) I I so agree with you. If I could, if you could change any of that culture that people really do feel safe in admitting that, Hey, I made a mistake. And now what we would save a lot of time and energy and make more money. I can tell you a time where I was helping one of my favorite people, a doctor build a health spa, medical spa. And he was overspending his money and just kept changing the plans for what he wanted. And he was driving everyone crazy, like this color, that color. No, I want this. And he, and all the people that worked for him, the architects, the engineers were like, Sandy, he's driving us nuts. You have to say anything. I'm like, why don't you say anything? Well, they didn't want to get fired. So I'm in a meeting with all of them. And Doc says, listen, I'm thinking of changing this again. I don't like the way the floorboard is. What do you think, Sandy? And I said, no, you know what, doc, this is you and your team. This is not my area. You go ahead. No, no, no. I value your opinion. What do you think? Should I change it? It's going to cost this much, much. I'm like, doc, three times. You don't want to talk to your team. This is not my specialty. Because I want to hear what you have to say. I go, okay, well, I think you're very creative. I think you have a lot of ideas, but this place is never going to get built and you're overspending money. I think we just have to go with what we have. It, it looks great. And I was so positive. And he looked at me in front of the whole meeting and went like this with his arms closed. And he goes, well, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I said, but you asked me right. for my opinion. And he said, well, your opinion is stupid well (laughs) now well i go okay well that worked out and all the guys and they're sitting there at the meetings with their phones and i go bail me out bail me out guys stick up i go what do you guys think well that you know he's got to do what he has to do and i'm like (laughs) you mother because they left. They get in their car. They're like, we're sorry, Weston, but we need our jobs and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. Well, I got up. I said, listen, don't ever speak to me yeah. that way again. And yeah. I'm out. Well, this is the good news because he is a good human being, but he, no one ever corrected mm-hmm. this yeah. guy. No one ever said anything. And because he begged me to and look at the response because he was hoping <laughs> I would agree with him. He really didn't want to hear yeah. what I had to say. He called me the next day and he says, mm, I'm so that's good. I am so mm. sorry. I am mm. so sorry that I did that to you. You are the only person that really has my back and truly cares mm. about me. That's it rare. It's good edit.
0: that he would reflect on that and come back and be big enough to apologize. Yeah. Cute.
1: But you see, now I know why people are Mm -hmm. afraid of admitting that Mm -hmm. they made a mistake. and Or or just just disagreeing with
0: the boss. People are afraid to do that because, look, what gets punished isn't going to happen
1: again. I was just doing another deal just two weeks ago. And the guy thought I went over his head to get a deal. and And it wasn't me. And... I go, what are you talking about? And without even thinking, and this is a big CEO. He, in 30 seconds, he emailed all the bosses of the bosses of the bosses in the organization. I don't think I really appreciate Sandy going over my head and now doing another deal within the company that's not from my funding. And it wasn't me. I get him on the phone. I go, what are you doing? don't you want to take a beat? And he goes, I can't believe you're trying to backstop. go, it's not me. And he started looking through goes, Oh my God. I go, you better make this right and tell those people. Guess what? He threw me under the bus. He said, Sandy and I realized that she now understands and I'm not going to work with them, but you see what I mean? Like why can't we just go, we're not perfect. We screw. I mean, I have like I think a day. I'm thinking, crap, I should have done it that way. I shouldn't have said it that way. You know, well, try it again. I don't get it, Mark. I really don't. That really yeah. bothered me. I have to tell you, I didn't expect to be thrown under no, like that. I,
0: I understand. And that's why, you know, what, what, what a lot of people call psychological safety is so important, um, not punishing people for speaking up and disagreeing or challenging things.
1: Oh, I never heard it that way. It's called Psychological Safety.
0: safety. And uh, I recently yeah. had a chance to talk to uh, one of the, the world experts on on this, uh, Amy Edmondson from Harvard Business School. So I would invite people um, to go check out that episode. And, and she's a great person to learn about creating this kind of workplace culture where people mm. um, feel safe to speak up. It doesn't mean we're always going to agree. And that's the thing. Like, you know, uh, it's okay yeah. to disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, let's be... Respectful um, with people and not label, not yell at them and not label their opinions uh, stupid. Uh, we'll <laughs> yes. be better off. Um, well, Sandy, I also wanted to mention um, before we go. Uh, well, you know, one thing we have in common is that we both started podcasts in the year two thousand six, and a lot of people are surprised they didn't know pod- That was part of the problem back then. People didn't know podcasts were a yeah. thing. Now this this series started in twenty twenty, but my lean blog interviews podcast um started in 2006. Um so Sandy's podcast again um now is called Let's Keep It Real. Tell everyone what the original name and what the concept was. I think this is uh kind of a neat.
1: Way. So, originally uh, it was called What Keeps You Up at Night. And my whole idea is I wanted to talk to professionals around the world that were looking at well-being in a different way and were on the cutting edge. And that was my way to get interviews and find out about the latest things for the mind, body, and spirit. And I was just fascinated by it. But then I realized what keeps you up at night, it was really taking a shift or more about the positive things people were doing in the world and how they got to do them. And so I changed the title to
0: Let's Keep It Real. A little more positive framing of uh, things we could talk about. So. Um, well, this has yeah. been great. I would inv- encourage, um, encourage listener to uh, visit Sandy's website. It's sandyjoyweston.com. You can find a link in the show notes. Um, got a free ebook. I noticed on the website brain resets. Yeah. Good thing. Good yep, thing for fun. people to check out, check out Sandy's podcast. Um, her books, um, there, there will be links to all of that in the show notes. So Sandy, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for sharing your story and, and, and stories and reflections from the different things you've done. This has been great.
1: Mark, thank you for having me on because I have never told some of those stories and had the opportunity. I mean, I do a lot of different things, but the way you framed your podcast about your favorite mistake, I started writing down so many different things that I haven't thought about in a while. So I really appreciate that. You changed my mindset on your favorite (laughs) mistake. I'm happy
0: to. And thank you for for helping all of us as as we work on that ourselves. So thanks again. Toodles. Well, toodles to Sandy. uh, Sandy Joy Weston, great guest here today. To learn more about her for a link to her podcast and a whole lot more, look for links in the show notes or go to markgraven.com slash mistake 249. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is my mistakepodcast.com.